All right, let's turn the Word of God to Ezra chapter 6. We'll start there tonight. Amen. Ezra chapter 6, and we'll read verses 1 through 15. Ezra chapter 6, verses 1 through 15. We uh, went through Ezra not too long ago, but we're going to use this as just a starting point. Ezra 6. Amen. Ezra 6, verse 1 says this, Then Darius the king made a decree, and search was made in the house of the rolls, where the treasures were laid up in Babylon. And there was found at Akmetha, in the palace that is in the province of the Medes, a roll, and therein was a record thus written. In the first year of Cyrus the king, the same Cyrus the king, made a decree concerning the house of God at Jerusalem. Let the house be builded, the place where they offered sacrifices, and let the foundations there be strongly laid, the height thereof threescore cubits, and the breadth thereof threescore cubits. With three rows of great stones and a row of new timber, let the expenses be given out of the king's house. And also let the golden and silver vessels of the house of God, which Nebuchadnezzar took forth out of the temple, which is at Jerusalem, and brought into Babylon, be restored, and brought again into the temple, which is at Jerusalem, every one to his place, and place them in the house of God. Now therefore, Tatnai, governor beyond the river, Shetharbosnai, and your companions, the Afarsachites, which are beyond the river, be ye far from thence. Let the work of this house of God alone. Let the governor of the Jews and the elders of the Jews build the house of God in his place. Moreover, I make a decree what ye shall do to the elders of these Jews for the building of this house of God, that of the king's goods, even of the tribute beyond the river, forthwith expenses be given unto these men that they be not hindered. And that which they have need of, both young bullocks and rams and lambs, for the burnt offerings of the God of heaven, wheat, salt, wine, and oil, according to the appointment of the priests which are at Jerusalem, let it be given them day by day without fail. <laughs> Verse 10, that they may offer sacrifices of sweet savors unto the God of heaven and pray for the life of the king and of his sons. Also, I have made a decree that whosoever shall alter this word, let timber be pulled down from his house, and being set up, let him be hanged thereon, and let his house be made a dunghill for this. And the God that hath caused his name to dwell there destroy all kings and people that shall put their hand to the altar and to destroy this house of God, which is at Jerusalem. I, Darius, have made a decree. Let it be done with speed. <laughs> then Tatnai, governor of this side, the river, Shetharbosnai, and their companions, according to that which Darius the king had sent, so they did speedily. <laughs> and the elders of the Jews built it, and they prospered through the prophesying of Haggai the prophet and Zechariah the son of Iddo. And they built it and finished it according to the commandment of the God of Israel and according to the commandment of Cyrus and Darius and Artaxerxes, kings of Persia. And this house was finished on the third day of the month at Adar, which was in the sixth year of the reign of Darius the king. Let's pray again. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, again, we come before you through the blood name of Jesus Christ. And Lord, again, we just praise you and glory in you. Lord, indeed, we want you to be exalted. <laughs> Lord, that this should be the desire of our heart when we meet together. That should be the desire of our heart, Lord, individually on a daily basis in our heart and home that Christ would be exalted in and through our life. 
Lord, we thank you for the uh, good word we heard this morning and the hearts you worked in. And Lord, we pray, God, that you would continue to save souls and change lives. And Lord, uh, help us to do our part as a local church. Lord, to be an effective witness wherever we go. And Lord, even tonight, if there's somebody here listening in, Lord, uh, that needs to be saved, Lord, work in that heart. And uh, Lord, those that have been recently saved, help them to grow in the grace and knowledge uh, of the Lord. Lord, we pray a special prayer for our young people. Lord, uh, work in their lives and Lord, protect them, their hearts and minds and wills. And uh, Lord, help them to take a stand, uh, Lord, in the things they face at school and Lord, on the job and such. Be with them. Lord, thank you uh, for the praises, Lord, that you care about uh, every detail of our life, whether it's a car or a house or, uh, Lord, just uh, something that might seem insignificant. But God, even those things, dear God, uh, you want to be a blessing to us through. Lord, we pray a special prayer, Lord, for the Masons. Lord, as they prepare to go back to the Philippines, Lord, these details that need to be worked out with paperwork and shipping things and, Lord, being with loved ones. Lord, I pray that you'd bless these uh, last few days, help these things to be done like we read in here, Lord, speedily. Uh, dear God, that everything would get done. Lord, again, we thank you for their faithful service. Lord, we pray for Hudson. Lord, as, uh, it'll be a new uh, phase of his life. Lord, watch over him and uh, bless him as he has to uh, make decisions. And Lord, again, help us all tonight, dear God, just to rest in your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen. Question, if I were to ask, what is one of your biggest shortcomings in uh, maybe your relationships with loved ones, maybe even with a, a spouse or with your children, or maybe even uh, problems at work or, uh, you know, in, in different areas. If I said, well, what's uh, maybe one of the biggest areas you have a, a problem with, what might that answer be? Well, let me ask you this. Would communication be one of them? <laughs> oh, me, amen, or something, amen. What did I say? Uh, huh? Did you say, oh, me? Yeah, we said, oh, yeah, oh, oh, me, help me, Lord, right? Amen. Communication, right? We all need help in that area. Well, on Sunday nights, uh, we started talking about uh, what we called them leadership qualities, but really they're qualities that every believer should have. And of course, uh, again, I think of the young people because, you know, we want them to be leaders in their generation. Again, Right. It's really just about, uh, uh, you know, you say, oh, well, being a leader, we think of being over some big organization. But really, anybody that has influence in somebody else's life is a leader in that area. So parents, uh, uh, grandparents or she talked about her nephew. Well, obviously, she's a, she's a, has influence there or uh, on your job. Right. Anytime you have an opportunity to influence somebody. So uh, tonight we want to talk about communication that uh, and knowing how to communicate. Right. That's an important part in our relationships, especially uh, in uh, uh, husband and wife relationships and, and dealing with our children and uh, uh, other relationships that are important and have an effect on our life. So let me talk a little bit for a moment on effective communication, again, is the key to, again, every kind of relationship. Again, whether it's a spouse, whether it's a, a boss or even a friend, right? How many times you think, <laughs> have a good friend, then all of a sudden something happens there in the communication? <laughs> or if you, you are a boss or a leader, an employee, or even a, even a colleague, co-workers at work, right? And so communication, we use it to express what? Our ideas, right? Our desires, our feelings. So uh, good communication can either 
uh, uh, bring people together or, you know, uh, bad communication can pull relationships apart. <laughs> Without communication, of course, it's impossible uh, to connect. And that's the key, learning to uh, connect with people, not just communicate, right? But knowing how to make a connection with people, right? I mean, Young man, young may elite, right? They don't want to just talk. They want to, they want to have a, see if there's a connection uh, there. And when we're trying to witness to people, the big thing is learn how to communicate when we witness, right? And not just going up and running through, hey, do you know if you die right now? Hey, uh, this verse says this, this verse says this. You, know, you can communicate, but hey, you want to connect with that person. You want that person to know that, hey, you care about them, right? You're not just up here going through some little routine because you're a soul winner, right? But you care about what's going on in that person's life. You're trying to make a connection with them. And they see that, hey, hey, this person cares about me. They really have concern about where I spend eternity or they really have a concern about what's going on in my life. And so learning to uh, uh, connect that. And so every believer needs to possess the ability, right, to communicate because impact, if you will, only happens when we're able to get people to, uh, you know, understand us or knowing we understand uh, them and where they are in their life about something. And so, you know, people will not follow us or listen to us. And if we can't not help them understand, amen, what it is we're trying to get across to them and, and uh, they understand what we're trying to say or as a leader, right, what we want or where we're going. And so uh, good communication, right? We talk to people. We want, it, we want it to be clear, right? We want to, that's why, you know, the simple, God's simple plan of salvation, right? We want it to be uh, clear, right? Uh, we want them to know, we want it to be credible. We want people, hey, listen, what I'm telling you, I really believe this, right? We want it to be uh, uh, compelling. Listen, you need to be saved. You need to know, or whatever uh, the case is in your communication, and so to improve in this area, you know, people say, well, you know, I'm really not good at talking to people. You know what? That's again, I've said this before. That's no excuse. You know, whether you're well, I'm a I'm a, a I'm an introvert. Well, even if you're an introvert, you need to know how to witness to people so you can convert. Right. <laughs> because everybody has that responsibility. God didn't say, go ye and witness if you have, you know, uh, these attributes. No, we all have that responsibility. And so these are things that we can we can uh, uh, learn. That doesn't mean you have to go in there, you know, uh, bust somebody's door down. Uh, boy, that's how I, when I when I first got saved. Man, I guarantee I knocked on somebody's door. They thought it was coming apart. Like I said, I've calmed down a lot. Uh, I think I've calmed down too much. I'm trying to get back out there. But, you know, uh, uh, but still, we all need to be, uh, know how to communicate. So effective communication involves, again, of course, understanding the people you're talking to. If you talk to a lot of people, understand your audience, or even if you're talking to a person, right? You know, you don't witness to everyone the same way. You need to talk to them, find out where they're at, find out what's going on uh, in, their, in their life. And, of course, uh, credibility is necessary for uh, good communication, right? People need to know, hey, listen, again, I want you to know I really believe what I'm telling you about the Lord Jesus Christ and all these things. And so a listener needs to be confident when they listen to you that you believe what you're saying, and that your actions match it, right? That's why, right, our, our walk needs to match our talk. And, of course, there's no uh, uh, greater ability than this. What Then I like this thought, conviction, right? We really believe these are our convictions, conviction in action. So, of course, uh, the great communicator is God. God is the great communicator, 
right? And uh, what, I mean, uh, what has God uh, 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 been trying to do ever since he created man? Communicate to man, right? Again, remember when, when, when uh, Adam and Eve sinned, right? Uh, of course, I've said this several times. I say it again. When, when Adam and Eve sinned, what does the Bible say? Again, it doesn't say God came down in the cool of the day. What does it say? Anybody remember what it, what it says? The voice, the voice of the Lord came down, right? God came down. And what did he want to do? He wanted to have some effective communication with Adam. That's what he wanted to do. He wanted to communicate with Adam. That's what he said. Listen, let's, let's talk this thing over, right? Let's uh, find out what's really going on. So sometimes God spoke audibly to man. Let me give you a couple of verses. Exodus 20, verse 1. And God spake all these words, saying, God spake all these words, right? Genesis 9, 8. And God spake unto Noah and to his sons with him, right? So we see there was times God spoke audibly uh, to man upon the earth. And then, of course, God gave us what? The book. The Bible. So God gave us his written communication. This whole book, right? This whole book is what God wanted to say to man. So God gave us written communication. God wants to communicate with man. So the Bible is God's written communication. In fact, the longest chapter or psalm in the Bible is what? Dedicated to God's word, to, God, to God's written communication. Let me give you some verses. Exodus 17, 14. And the Lord said unto Moses, write this for a memorial in a book. John 20, 31. But these things are written, right? Why did he communicate these things? Why did he write this down? Why did he give us this written communication? These things are written, what? That you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. <laughs> Isaiah 30, verse 8. I like this. Now go. Write it before them in a table and note it in a book that it may be for the time to come forever and ever. You see, forever, O oh Lord, thy what? Word is settled in heaven. So God always wants to communicate with man. And then, right, sometimes he spoke audibly and then he gave us his written word. And then who came down to earth? Jesus. And who is Jesus Christ? He's the living communication, right? He's the living word. John 1, verses 1 and 2, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. John 1, 2, the same was in the beginning with God. How could man ever doubt that God did not want to communicate with him, right, and interact with him? And Hebrews 1, 2 says this, talking about Christ, that God in these last days has spoken unto us. How? By his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. So you see, God's communication, whether audible, whether written, or in human form in Jesus Christ, right? You read it, you heard it. He made sure it was clear. It says one place, well, what? He spoke unto them plainly. Right? So he made sure it was clear. He made sure that it was credible, right? It's credible because it's from God and it's compelling, right? Because as we heard so great this morning, that God loves us. And knowing that his love is behind that communication, right? His word is clear and it's credible and it's compelling. 
compelling. And so God sets a good example for us, right, that he wants to communicate. And so we see some good examples of uh, communication. Darius here gives us a good example of written communication, if you will. Now, just, to, just as a side note, I like some of the things that it says in here. Let me chase this short rabbit. Notice uh, uh, verse 3. I might have uh, mentioned this when we went through Ezra, but I like what it says here about the word of God, about the house of God. In the first year of Cyrus, the king, the same Cyrus, the king, made a decree concerning the house of God at Jerusalem. Let the house be builded, right? The place where they offered sacrifices. And I like this. <laughs> Let the foundations thereof be strongly laid. You know what it says right there? The foundations of the house of God need to be strongly laid. Do you know what that, that word strongly means this? Able to bear the load. So as a side note, I know we're talking about communication, but when I saw that, it says, let them be strongly laid. He says, right? He says, make the house of God so that it can bear the load. Amen. Hey, hey I want you to know the foundations, right? God has, is building his church and God has laid the foundations. And I want you to know whatever is going on in your life, amen, the foundations can bear the load. Amen. What a wonderful thought that is. And then he said uh, in, in verse, uh, he said in, in verse uh, uh, seven there, talking to those uh, people that wanted to hinder the work, let the work of this house of God alone, let the governor of the Jews and the elders of the Jews build the house of God in this place. And so here he tells uh, the enemies of them, let the work of, his, of this house of God alone. And of course, uh, this is a good example, uh, right, of outside influence. In our case, we might say the government is saying to them, hey, you have no business in God's business, right? And so that's still uh, good preaching to the government. And then in verse 10, I'm about to finish this rabbit. He says that, may, that they may offer sacrifices of sweet savers unto the God of heaven and pray for the life of the king and his sons. <laughs> Like we mentioned when we saw those verses before, that a country and a leader of a country has no better friend or support, amen, than a believer, right? Even though we may not agree with everything that our president stands for, I hope you, we pray for the leaders of our country and we're commanded to do so. But here we see King Darius gave a written communication to the people, right? He gave his decree. And when you go through here, what do you see about it? You see that it's clear. And what was, he said what? Build. To those that were supposed to build, he said build. To those that uh, were trying to hinder it, he said back off. And then he said the purpose of it, right? Uh, to be a blessing uh, to those. And then it was credible. There was no doubt the king was behind this work. And then it was compelling. There were consequences for not supporting the work. So we see here Darius understood who he was talking to. He spoke on behalf of those he was trying to help. He spoke against those and warned those that would not would try to hinder the work. And his goal was clear, build that temple, build that temple. So he sets a good example there. But let's see another great example with Jesus. Turn over to Matthew 22 and we'll read verses 23 through 33. It says this. It says, uh, Matthew 22, verse 23, it says, The same day came to him the Sadducees which say there is no resurrection, right? And we know that's why they were sad, you see, right? We don't believe in the resurrection like we heard this morning, right? <laughs> we're all men knows miserable. So they're sad, you see. They believe not in the resurrection. They were miserable. 
Verse 24, saying, Master, Moses said, if a man die, having no children, his brother shall marry his wife and raise up seed unto his brother. Now there were with us seven brethren, and the first, when he had married a wife, deceased and having no issue, left his wife unto his brother. Likewise, the second also, and the third unto the seventh, and last of all, the woman died also. <laughs> Therefore, in the resurrection, whose wife shall she be of the seven? For they all had her. <laughs> and what does he say? Jesus answered and said unto them, Ye do err, not knowing the Scriptures, nor the power of God. That's a good answer. For in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels of God in heaven. But as touching the resurrection of the dead, have you not read that which was spoken unto you by God, saying, I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. And God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. And when the multitude heard this, they were astonished at his doctrine. Here we see a good example of communicating when witnessing. I think this sets a good example. Example. This might be uh, some good thoughts in these verses when we go down next week uh, 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 to evangelize downtown and you're witnessing to somebody and maybe people are standing there. <laughs> I think uh, the Lord sets a good example of uh, how to communicate when you're witnessing. Because it was clear, right, the Sadducees, of course, had an ulterior, ulterior motive. They tried to trip up Jesus. And look at that question, verse 28. Therefore, in the resurrection, whose wife shall she be? You know what this shows you? People ask stupid questions back then, too. Right? You know, people, you're trying to witness somebody, and, of course, everybody wants to know where Cain get his wife. You, what kind of man are you worried about somebody else's wife? You wicked heathen. What are you doing asking about somebody else's wife? You know, they want to know. All. Like, I don't know. All I know is he had a mother-in-law, too. He had to deal with. Amen. Right. And so, you know, they ask all these questions. And listen, get to the and just look at him. Say, listen, you do err most of the time. Right. Not knowing the scriptures. But it is important to understand and be aware that our enemies. Right. They're not always going to be clear in their communication. They always have an ulterior motive. And the Sadducees didn't really want the truth. So it's good to ask people if you think they're not being sincere, or they're asking some question like this, trying to get you off point. And I use this a lot. Say, you know, listen, do you really want to know the truth? Do you really want to know the truth? These Sadducees didn't care less about the truth. But notice what the Lord does, because he knew they weren't sincere. He knew they really didn't know the truth. And a lot of times when like we're, if we're downtown and witnessing, there's a lot of people or sometimes you stop somebody and you get talking to one person in a group. Well, maybe the person you're talking to may not be sincere. Maybe they're asking those silly questions. But, hey, there's people listening. And so really, what did the Lord do? He didn't even pay attention to the people that weren't uh, serious, but he focused on those that were around them. So Christ answer, Christ's answers here were not really for the ones asking the questions. He knew they did not care. His answers focused on those listening in. Perhaps something in them would be stirred up or touched. And remember that when you're witnessing, even if the one you're not listening to, like you're at a home, Maybe you're talking to the husband or something, but hey, that wife might be listening or maybe that child or somebody in the other room <laughs> might be listening. How many times have you seen that? Maybe the one that you were uh, 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 direct with. I remember one time I went to, to witness to a guy and he didn't pay much attention, but his mother-in-law happened to be there visiting. 
and let his end up leading his his mother-in-law wanted to know more, and she ended up uh, uh, getting saved. Even the one that I, even though the man I was talking to uh, wasn't very interested, but his his his, uh, uh, his mother-in-law was actually from Sri Lanka, and she ended up getting saved and becoming a member of our church uh, there in Germany. So the Lord sets an example. He knew, he knew the ones he was talking to he didn't care. So his answers focus on those listening. And maybe something would stir in their hearts. And obviously it did. Because look at verse 33. It says, And when the multitude heard this, they were astonished at his doctrine. So, hey, he, he knew the people. He knew his audience. The ones in front of him, he didn't care. But he knew perhaps there was somebody listening. So remember when you are witnessing, when you're communicating for Christ, Try to be aware of those around you. Again, though the one you are speaking with may not be sincere, there could be a seeking soul listening in. So it's so important to be attentive and pay attention to those around you when you're witnessing. So the Lord sets a, a, a good example here of communicating with those that are there. And then let me look at one more example. Turn over to Paul, uh, Acts 26, where you see Paul, right, uh, uh, given a uh, defense there, Acts 26. And uh, we'll not read the whole chapter. We'll read the first five verses, then we'll notice some things. <laughs> Acts 26, verses 1 through 5. It says, Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Thou art permitted to speak for thyself. Then Paul stretched forth the hand and answered for himself. I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because I shall answer for myself this day before thee, touching all the things whereof I am accused of the Jews, especially because I know thee to be expert in all customs and questions which are among the Jews. Wherefore, I beseech thee to hear me patiently. My manner of life from my youth, which was at the first among my own nation at Jerusalem, know all the Jews, which knew me from the beginning, if they would testify that after the most straightest sect of our religion, I lived a Pharisee. Paul here gives another good example. If you go down through this chapter about a good example of when you're witnessing to somebody. And notice, if you go down through there and you notice some things about when he witnessed, of course, he goes down through and he gives his testimony. Because, you know, Paul, when you read his writings, you understood that he realized the importance of clear communication. Now, you remember in, in, in Corinthians, when he's talking about tongues, he made this statement in 1 Corinthians 14, 19. He said, yet in the church, I'd rather speak five words with my understanding that by my voice, I might teach others also than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. He said, I just don't want to get up and, and say a bunch of stuff. He said, I'd rather say five words that got through to somebody that were clear communication to somebody, amen, that got a hold of somebody's heart than just standing up there sounding like Charlie Brown's teacher. Wah, 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 right? He said, I want to make sure, which is what they sound like anyways, right? Uh, but making sure it's clear. Notice in verse 3, look, look at what he said. This is why it's good to pay attention when you're witnessing to somebody. He says, especially I know thee to be expert. Notice, notice what he did. He knew something about that guy, and he used that to draw them in. Paul knew something about the main person he was talking to, and he knew what to say 
to draw him in and sort of pique his interest, right? Hey, listen, uh, it's okay to use wisdom when witnessing, right? It's, you know, you, you get in somebody's house. You know, I remember knocking on a guy's door one time, trying to wisdom. Oh, I'm in a hurry. I got to go out the door. I don't have time to talk. And I looked right past him and I saw this big trophy there. And I said, wow, whose trophy is that? You know, he stood there for 20 minutes and bragged on his son winning that trophy, right? <laughs> he had time. He just didn't have time uh, for God. But, you know, that's why it's important uh, to, to pay attention uh, uh, when you're talking to people, maybe, and, and try to make that connection. But I like it in verse 14, he talks about when the Lord spoke to him, right? He says, the Lord spoke to him. He says, the Lord sang in the Hebrew tongue. I like that. Listen, God knows your language. Amen. God knows your language. And note he says in the Hebrew tongue. Just as another side note, remember when you read about tongues in the Bible, tongues are a known language. Maybe not to the person uh, speaking them, but they're known somewhere in the world. That's why those that were there in Acts 2, right, they were from other places and they understood what uh, those speaking in tongues were saying because they were speaking unknown tongue to them, but known to somebody that was there. So God knows your language. And may I say this, God speaks to people in their language, whether it's, you know, the language like English, Hebrew, whatever, or, you know, God meets you where you're at. You, you, you watch how God gave parables when he was talking to a farmer, when he was talking to a fisherman. You see, God speaks to people in their language. God speaks to people. And that's why, you know, you might use the, in one sense, you might use the same Bible verses or the same thoughts when you witness to somebody, but it's important to know who you're talking to and the type of people you're, you're talking to and witnessing to them. On the mission field, you know, when, when I was in uh, uh, Bulgaria, that's why it's so important uh, you go on the mission field to study the country's history and the people's history. You know, uh, the Cyrillic alphabet, Right, which uh, we know that that uh, uh, the, the the Russian Jews and uh, and the Polish people use, right? Uh, the Slavic people use. You know, the first the, that that alphabet was developed, or how you might say it, by two Bulgarian brothers, Kirill and Metodi. The biggest holiday in Bulgaria is Alphabet Day, right? May 24th. Isn't that exciting? Oh, man, can't wait for Alphabet Day. Woo, man. Right, man. I, I hope I get to get, be the one to stand up and uh, quote the alphabet in front of everybody this year. Right? You know, doesn't that sound exciting? Doesn't that sound exciting? I said, man, get up and say A, B, C, D, E, F, G. I mean, doesn't that just sound exciting? <laughs> but what's interesting is the first words, right, officially ever written using the Cyrillic alphabet were... <laughs> Vufnichalato beshe slovato, slovato uboga, e slovato eboga. Right? John 1 1. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. And so when we translated the Gospel of John into Bulgarian, we, on the back of that Gospel of John, we put that bit of history, right? Perviti dumi. First words, koito, bratia, kreo i metodi na pisaha v bulgarski azik, right? The first words which the brothers, kreo metodi, right, wrote using this was John 1. And so you know what they did? That drew them in. That made them want to read the, wow, why did they choose the gospel of John? 
Wow, why do they? And you see, so knowing your audience, that communication with the people you're trying to reach. And that, that drew them in and made them want to read. We have hundreds of thousands of Gospels of John. And so God knows your language. God knows, amen, and knowing the importance of that, communicating who you're trying to talk to and, and what their background is and, and finding out about people, not just rushing in, amen, trying to check off a box, but really caring about people. And what's the best way I can communicate with this one I'm trying to? To reach, you know, uh, uh, Patrick. Aren't you glad Patrick was here the other day? Yesterday, uh, I talked to Patrick on the phone again for quite a while, and he's sharing things with me, and we're talking about military, and we're talking about that, you know, trying to find those things that connect, so we can have that clear communication. And right, and so the Lord does that; He knows our language, if you will. So He did that. So uh, and, and so, he, and then He comes down to verse twenty-seven after He He gave him His. You see what He did? He gave him His. Testimony, And then verse 27, he says, Believest thou, believest thou the prophets? I know that thou believest. Boy, Acts 26, a good chapter to study on witnessing. But here's what I want you to notice. If you go down through there, you'll notice Paul's process, if you will. He connected, right? And then he contrasted, right? He gave his testimony. This is what I used to be of the straightest sect. I was a Pharisee. But now, right, I met Jesus Christ on that road to Damascus, and this is what he's done in my life. So he connected, and then he showed the contrast before salvation, after salvation, right? And then he convinced, and he brought it in, right? And so you see connection, you see contrast, you see convince, you see convict, and then, amen, then he concluded. I don't know how I came up with all them C's, amen, but I, but I did. And I didn't even use a thesaurus, amen. But anyways, but think about it, that's a, that's a good way to do it. Connect with that person. Show them the contrast before salvation and after salvation, amen. And then let, it, let them see that convincing that, man, hey, this guy just didn't have religion. This guy ain't just saying this. He really believes. She really believes what she's saying. And then praying for that conviction and then conclude. Now, again, we, we, we say these things, but again, our trust is not in human ability. But again, God gave us the ability to use wisdom in our witnessing. It's just using God gave us the ability to notice things, to reason, to understand things, and to have that discernment when you're witnessing to people. And so it's just, it's not trusting in your ability, but it, again, it's using the ability that God gives you to, to be effective for him, to communicating effectively for him, to his glory in reaching people. That's what it's about. Our trust, right? Our trust is in, of course, uh, the Holy Spirit and the word of God, but it matters, amen, how we use those things to God's glory, right? So we're, 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 we're using wisdom, but not conniving. You know, I don't like conniving soul winners. Oh, let me show you how to do this, son. Hey, you want to go to heaven? Oh, sure, everybody wants to go to heaven. Well, pray this prayer with me and you go to heaven. You know, uh, that's wicked, all right? Let's just go ahead and say that. That's wicked, right? You need to make sure that you give people a clear presentation and good, clear communication. It's not about checking something off, amen? But it's about giving clear communication and witnessing somebody and caring about that person and making sure they understand and let them know that you're real and what you're saying is real. That's what we want. But I thought it was interesting as we finish up here, he said, he says uh, at the end there, verse 29, and Paul said, 
course, we've preached this before. I would to God that not only thou, but also all that hear me this day were both almost and altogether such as I am. Notice, but look at what he says, except these bonds. I thought it was interesting here. Now, we talk about when you communicate, right? You know, uh, uh, caring, caring, you know, it's more about them when you communicate than yourself. And I've seen a, a lot of I've seen a lot of preachers get up and you think it was more about them when they're speaking. Amen. And showing, you know, how they can how they can wax uh, eloquent, if you will, uh, than really caring about the people they're talking to. He says, accept these bonds. Paul gives a good example of caring more about your audience than yourself. Paul was in bonds, but he was more concerned about delivering them from sinful bondage than he was himself being delivered from physical bondage. He really cared about those he spoke to. What an example of being focused on others. You know, sometimes again, when we, when we, when we, when we witness, I've seen this in, in people witnessing. Again, I've seen it in people preaching or whatever. We can, again, we can be guilty of being more focused on ourselves than the needs of those to whom we are supposed to be communicating with. Man, let me, let me show you how many verses I can quote. You know, let me show you how I can expound on the theological ramifications, applications of the Abrahamic covenant, how they, they apply in this dispensation. Oh, well, can I, you just have a moment of your time, right? No, uh-uh. no, 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 it's focus on them, you see. And then, of course, uh, uh, they went there and realized, he, he, you know, he'd done nothing wrong. But they were more convinced of his innocence, unfortunately, than they were convicted of their guilt. And so yeah, even in this, right, uh, 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 Paul didn't see anybody converted here, but it's a reminder. Even Paul did not always get immediate results, but there was no doubt he did his best. So despite your results, even though we want those results, just know that you were doing your best for God and doing your best and caring and communicating and being concerned about those you are speaking with, Right? and that continue to pray that God would work on their hearts. So as we see in these examples, King Darius' communication had authority because of his position, what he was. Christ's communication had authority because of his person, who he was. Well, we may never be a king, and we'll certainly, amen, there's only one Christ. But Paul's communication had authority because of his persuasion, if you will, how he was. And how was he? Amen. He was somebody who, who knew what Christ had done in his life. He was somebody that was sold out to Christ. He was somebody that was filled and controlled with the Holy Spirit. We can all be that. Amen. We can all be that. So let us ask ourselves, how can we be better communicators for the Lord? What do we need to do to be a better communicator for Christ, if you will? You know, the Sadducees tried to put Jesus on the spot. And when you get out there, hey, man, even this Saturday, next Saturday, some people might try to put you on the spot. How do you respond when people try to put you on the spot? Defensively? I know sometimes I can be guilty of that, right? We can get defensive. But, but listen, but Christ set a good example. When they tried to put him on the spot, what did he do? He stayed calm and with clear explanation in truth. Amen. He just gave them the word. So, let us ask ourselves, what is something we can do to improve our communication abilities for the Lord? Right? So let us all pray. Lord, help me to be a better witness for you, a better communicator for Christ in general.
And Lord, those that I seek to influence for you, amen, uh, give me, help me to, to, to love them, help me to love you, help me to love your word and be an effective witness for you. Let's pray.